Last Sunday, we looked at the events leading up to the miracle at the wedding in Cana. And we saw there the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry begin to unfold. We saw the disciples transformed from mere followers to true believers in the divinity of Christ. Now this morning, I want us to look together at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. See, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus returns to Galilee It says, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, having been baptized by water and by the Holy Spirit descending and remaining on him. Having spent 40 days in the wilderness, standing firm against the temptation of the the devil and emerging from that experience sin-free and victorious. And so he returns to Galilee and his notoriety is growing and his teaching and his preaching are being well-received. And beginning in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, it says, Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. See, as he's ministering in Galilee, I suppose that it's only natural that he would also go home to Nazareth the place where he grew up with Mary and Joseph working as a carpenter alongside his dad. Nazareth, just a a small community just southwest of Cana where the miracle of the water turning into wine takes place. It's close to the border with Samaria. It's not an important community in terms of being a world power or the seat of government or anything like that. It's just a village. And so when he returns home, we pick up the story in the fourth chapter of Luke at verse 16. It says, when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Those are bold words. They're especially bold words when preaching to the hometown crowd. See, here is Jesus, the carpenter's son, come home from a relatively short time away to begin his new career as a preacher. And he gets up into the pulpit in his home synagogue where he's been sitting in the pew, if you will, all these years from boyhood. If you can imagine, his Sunday school teacher and youth group director are probably there in the front row. People whose houses he's repaired or tables he's, he's fixed the legs of are there watching him preach in the home synagogue for the first time. And they know him. That's Joseph's boy, isn't it? That's Jesus. And so he reads a prophecy from Isaiah. Not just any prophecy. But a prophecy about the coming Messiah. That's from Isaiah 61. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus. He's the me in the scripture. And when he finishes reading, he rolls up the scroll and he gives it back to the attendant. He sits down and as all the hometown eyes are upon him, he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the first century equivalent of dropping the microphone and walking off stage. Bold words. Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Talk about wowing the hometown crowd. Jesus says, I'm the guy. I'm the one. I'm the anointed that Isaiah was talking about. I'm here and I'm bringing the good news. More than that, I am the good news. This is the year, people. That's what he's saying. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is God's year to act. God's year to act. Well, act how? Well, just like it says, to proclaim the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that's where the quote ends here in the synagogue. But see, there's more to Isaiah 61, more to the passage of text that those present there in the synagogue would have been aware of. The next line in Isaiah 61 after to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor is, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. 
See, Jesus is saying, I am he for whom you have been waiting. I am the Messiah. I'm here to take all that's wrong in the world and make it right. He's saying, have you suffered? I'm here to end your suffering. Have you been wronged? I'm here to bring you redemption. Now you can imagine the hometown crowd's reaction. Luke tells us, it says, all who were there watching and listening were surprised at how well he spoke. But they also said, isn't this Joseph's son? The one we've known since he was a youngster? See, in that statement, there, there it is. There's the attitude of the hometown crowd summarized. He sounds good. I like what he's saying. I like how he's saying it. But isn't this just Joseph's boy? It's just like the disciple at the wedding in Cana, Nathaniel, says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But then they're thinking, you know, his reputation is such that there might be something to this after all. He's been doing good things all over Galilee. Healing the sick. All of those miracles he's been doing. He, he did it in Capernaum. He healed that guy. Remember that? If it's true, then surely he'll do that and more for us, his hometown people, right? But Jesus knows what they're thinking. And so he heads them off at the pass. And he says, I suppose you're going to quote the proverb, Doctor, go heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we heard you did in Capernaum. Well, let me tell you something. No prophet is ever welcomed in his hometown, Jesus says. Isn't it a fact that there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah during that three and a half years of drought? When famine devastated the land, but the only widow to whom Elijah was sent was in Sarepta in Sidon. Just one. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one cleansed was Naaman the Syrian. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not here to show you favoritism, homies. I'm not here for you, but for the will of God. I take my direction From him, not you. I'm on a mission and my mission is moving forward. You can't go home again. You can't go backward. My mission is moving the kingdom forward and you're welcome to come with me. But I'm not home to stay in Nazareth because quite frankly, Nazareth is not my home. Now I've told you that I'm the anointed one. I've told you that historically the true prophets are always rejected. And I've warned you that if you don't accept my message, you will be left right here in your circumstances 
because the kingdom is moving forward with or without you. Those are not the words that the hometown crowd wants to hear. Luke continues, When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. How powerful do your words have to be to cause the hometown crowd to hear the truth and want to throw you from a cliff when you say them? What is this saying to us in 21st century Splendora? See, the message to us is really simple. God has revealed Jesus to us. The evidence is overwhelming that He is who He says He is. And we can get on board as believers or we can reject Him. The choice is purely ours to make. But this is the year of the Lord's favor. And we have to remember that that's not the end of the scripture. Because it's also the day of vengeance of our God for those who reject Jesus as Savior and Lord. And finally, there's a lesson to all of us as the church who have been called to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, to proclaim the gospel message to those that we meet out there in the world. It's teaching us that our only responsibility is the presentation of the message, the sharing of the good news of Jesus. If you share the good news and people reject you and the message, that's not your fault. That's not on you. Their rejection is theirs and theirs alone. If they say to you, aren't you just Joe and Mary's boy? Aren't you just Joe and Mary's daughter? Who are you to tell me about Jesus? I knew you before when you were no count and worthless and couldn't put three words together to form a sentence and now I'm supposed to listen to you? No matter how well you speak, I need to listen to you? Tell me about Jesus and my life? See, if that happens, that's not on you. And Scripture tells us that we, when we encounter those people, we're to shake the dust off of our sandals and keep on moving to more receptive, more fertile ground. And so what we learn from this passage is that we are to keep on sharing and let the Holy Spirit do the work.
And I hope that God blesses you in those efforts. It's not easy being the body of Christ in the world today. There is so much going on outside those doors. And when you look at it in terms of sheer numbers, with the people that are sitting here and all those that are in the world out there that need to hear the message, it can be overwhelming. But fear not, because this is the year of the Lord's favor. <coughs> and because it's also the day of his vengeance. We need as many of them to understand and know what we know. So when that day comes, they can be with us and with him. Instead of that horrible, terrible alternative that is such an inconvenient truth that we don't even like to preach it from our pulpits. But it's real. And it's important that the body of Christ take the message out there. So when that day comes, we'll have all those that we care about and love and anyone else that we have the opportunity to bring into the family of God with us. I pray that for you, that you're successful in planting the seeds. Not that you would shoulder the responsibility of the outcome of the planting, but that you would be willing to plant. And that the ground would be fertile by the power of the Holy Spirit going before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the reason that we come here on Sunday morning. To be equipped for the ministry that takes place during the rest of the week. And we are all ministers we are all preachers of the word. We are all proclaimers of the gospel. Strengthen us, Lord. Equip us to be better at that, more deliberate at that as we go about our weeks. May we be examples of what it is to have Christ in us. May we be slow to anger. May we be slow to judge and condemn, but quick to discern. Quick to discern what is of you and what is of the world. Because only in knowing the difference do we have any idea who needs you and who has you already. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the leading of the Spirit in this church. I thank you for the work that you have done and for everything you are about to do. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.